Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by the fans for the fans, which is absolutely free. Episode 66 of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast and I am your host Colin Armstrong. I'm here this week uh, to discuss the, the Levy game today. We'll have a wee look at Porto and a couple of other things as well. We'll look at the, the, the ticket prices for the League Cup final and a couple of other wee things as well. Uh, it's, as I said, it's episode 66 of the pod. We would encourage you to subscribe and share on social media, uh, social media and all that. Uh, it's available live at the moment, but it'll be available to download and stream uh, on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and Spotify from tomorrow. So if you're joining in just now, great, uh, welcome. Uh, if you're not, if, if you <laughs> if you want to listen to it later, you can via those platforms. Excuse me. Uh, so joining me tonight, we've got two uh, stalwarts of the pod. We've got uh, Ross Bennett. How are you, Ross? I am very well, thanks, Colin. It's nice to be on as a guest and not have to worry about planning and agendas. And I'm, I'm half cut. <laughs> Was that not the usual? <laughs> I usually know half. Aye, aye. Well, I'm, I'm not supposed to be on tonight. I'm actually covering for David Wren. I think he is also half cut. I might be speculating here, but I don't. I don't think it's coincidence that uh, Rangers were playing Livingston the day, and then right after that, Liverpool were playing Man City. So uh, call me suspicious, but I think I think David had plans today. So I'm stepping in for David, uh, and he's going to uh, cover my shift next week. Uh, also joining us tonight is uh, Christine Somerville. How are you, Christine? It's been a while. It has been a while. Um, in fact, I'm due on next week as well. I don't know whether that's still going to happen. But it's like they say about buses, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's aye, aye. a while and then two come along at the same time. But uh, no, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. And um, I am stone cold sober. For uh, a change? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I've, got a, I've actually got a bottle of red wine sitting in my kitchen. Um, somebody bought it for me for selling their house. All right. They, they keep doing this. They keep buying me red wine, and I don't like red wine. I only like white. So, mm. if any of you are listening, <laughs> make it white the next time. Is that what you? Is, are you uh, an estate agent now, Christine? Is this your gig? Selling houses. Yes, yes. All right. I didn't know that. I've just bought a new house. Why didn't you tell me that? You could have got me a good deal. I work for Purple Bricks. Do you? Yes. Ah, that's well, I don't, I don't work for them. I, uh, I'm i self-employed, but yeah, that's who I... There you go. I didn't know that. I should ask more questions. Eh? Maybe, maybe if I asked <laughs> these things, I would know. Uh, anyway, right, let's get on. Uh, I thought we would, as I said, we'd look at the Livingston game today. A really good one today uh, at a place that is sort of traditionally tricky for Rangers. Obviously, Celtic were beaten there a couple of weeks ago, so we look at that. Brilliant night on Thursday night against Porto. We'll definitely cover that. And there was a couple of other wee things that sort of caught my eye. There's the, the ticket prices for the League Cup final. I've seen a lot of supporters complaining about that. And also, uh, Stevie G has been linked with Arsenal, so we'll have a wee discussion about that. So straight into it, I'll come to you first, uh, Ross. I mean, the, the, the game today at the most 
ridiculously named stadium in the UK, if, if not Europe, the, the Tony Macaroni Arena. Uh, as I said, it was it always looked like it was going to be a tricky game. How did you feel when you saw the start in 11? When, when I saw no Stephen Davis, I must admit, I got a wee bit panicky. Aribo was in for him. Arfield uh, came in for Barker, which I wasn't too surprised about. But no Davis, I was I was a wee bit worried about that. How did you feel when you saw the start in 11 today? Um, do you know, I wasn't surprised that Davis dropped out. He's at the he's at that kind of age now, approaching that part of the career where he, he needs to be managed properly, he needs to be used properly. And it's, it's the kind of game where we're going to need a wee spark of creativity. And so I wasn't too surprised to see Joe Aribo come back in. I don't think Joe Aribo has done too badly over the course of his career at Rangers so far. I know that he's not lived up to perhaps some of the loftier expectations that some of us had, but I was quite happy to see him come back in. I think he he needs a, a settled run of games. I thought he, he started well enough and then maybe after the old firm game, his, his confidence took a wee knock um, and he, he kind of found himself in and out of the side a wee bit. But I like him as a player and I was I was happy to see him come back in. Um, it, it was a kind of game where we shouldn't have really have needed Steve Davis. So I was happy to see him get a wee rest. The, the, the other change, the, the Arfield for Barker change was one that I was a, perhaps less enthused about. Um, I'm not sure Scott Arfield is is delivering as, as much this season as he has done, uh, say, last season. I wasn't surprised to see Brandon Barker drop out, but I thought it might have been the kind of game that would let Greg Stewart get a little run around. So uh, I was kind of, I, it wasn't too much of a surprise to start in 11, but look, it, it got the job done. It did indeed, yeah. I, I mean, the performances, I, I put it out in social media the day that we've had a good seven days. You know, obviously last week we qualified for the League Cup final, great result on uh, Thursday night against Porto and now today. So it, it, it feels to me like, like Rangers are in a, a really, really good place at the moment. Christine, coming to you, I mean, in terms of the starting 11, obviously there's, there's, there's certain players like, obviously McGregor, Goldson, Tav, eh, Morelos, Ryan Jack, you know, you've, you've got those core players that are always in there. The, the centre half thing has been an issue, you know, Katic kind of got a run eh, and then he was out the time, out the team, sorry, Hollander came in, eh, Munson got a game, you know, but the last few weeks, I think Hollander has started to really look the part. And today was was quite significant, I thought, because the last time he was there, he, he, he got a bit of a hard time for, for, for London Dykes. Today, I, I thought he looked very, very composed. And I thought him and Golson strolled through the game. What about yourself? Do you think those two are now pretty much your first starters in, in that position? Well, I think I think it's um, probably Stevie G's preferred um, centre back pairing. Um, I know Connor Goldson has been very good the last two games, so there's no point in you know trying to slag him off. I just feel as if he's the one that seems to be Stevie G's constant. Um, and the others, I think, in recent weeks, Hellinger's obviously um, got the nods, so it may well be that he that Stevie G feels that. He really needs to keep the partnership going and not interfere too much with the his, his team selections in the back four. I mean, we've got Katic and Edmondson, who I completely trust. And I think, you know, if we get an injury to one of the, the main two, I would be quite comfortable with either of them coming in to replace, to replace them. But I think maybe just having the settled back four 
is better for the team all round and, you know, consistency, just getting to know each other so well. Um, I think that makes a big difference. So, yeah, um, I never really felt today as if Livingston were any threat whatsoever. I never felt as if, oh, they're going to score here or they're getting a lot of the ball. They're probably It's only a matter of time. Never felt that either on um, Thursday night or today. Um, feel quite confident with the defence. Ross, I mean that, that, that. I mean that's an interesting point. There is a, a more settled feeling about the back four at the moment, and I think, uh, I think it was it was Gerard himself that said in, in the Porto game over in Portugal that he felt that was the night that Hollander had kind of arrived. You know, I still have concerns about his pace. I mean, there's a there's more than once. You know, you've, you've seen him sort of struggle to get to the ball with when he's got five or six yards on someone, and I, I still think he might get caught out once or twice on that front, but. Positionally, he seems fairly sound. You know, what I mean, he looks. It looks like where he knows where to be to cover up for that for that lack of pace. Uh, so, does it feel like this is now that this back four is our best back four? Well, in terms of the fullbacks, certainly. Um, Tav's had his criticisms over the past six to eight weeks, but I mean, I think the, the fullbacks are the best fullbacks that we've got at the club, um, and I'm delighted to be able to say that about Borna Barisic, who's really turned the corner since the summer. But the centre half, it's an interesting um, question that obviously it comes up on this show week after week after week. Um, as as Christine alludes to, we've all kind of speculated around Conor Goldson being undroppable in the eyes of Stephen Gerrard. But, I, you know, I, I could not make an argument for either Goldson or Hollander to be dropped at the moment. Hollander against Porto um, out in Portugal was was phenomenal. Um, he, I, I, he's starting to seem like the four and a half million pound continental centre half that we obviously expected. He started a little bit slow. He looked a little bit rusty, um, but it seems like he's he's settled in now. And I do I have to have some sympathy for for Katic and Edmondson. Edmondson, I suppose, probably was you know he knew what he was signing up for. He knew he was coming in to be fourth choice, um, and this is more a, a move for his development. Katic has done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, never made a mistake. I can't remember him really costing us a goal. I think he's strong. I think he's, you know, bags and bags of potential. At the end of the day, he's still young. He's still, I'm sure he's still turning out for the Croatian under-21 side. So as long as his attitude is right, as long as his mentality is right and that he's not getting frustrated and, um, and you know, open to having his head turned and, and looking elsewhere, I think where we are right now, I think that is the most settled back four and the, the strongest back four that we have at the disposal. Christine, you said there uh, earlier on that you didn't feel, you know, under pressure today. You didn't feel worried that that we were going to concede a, a goal at any point, and and that probably comes from the the back four being so so settled, you know. And that it feels like the first time it's been like that since Gerrard's arrived. However, see, after about twenty five minutes or so today, did you? I felt we had a lot of possession without actually threatening as such. Was there any point in the game that you thought, okay, we're not going to concede, but are we actually going to score here? I'm always optimistic that we're going to score so um, it, it was a wee bit frustrating at times I think but um, you know when you think back it was the first half hour, I'm trying to remember the the minute we scored I can't remember what, can you remember Colin what minute it was we scored 
I would say up until we scored, um, there's always that fear that, oh, is it going to be one of these days? Um, but no, I'm always optimistic we'll score, especially with Morelis in the park. Uh, and, I mean, I can't, I can't quite remember how long it was in that we scored, Christine, but I think it was, you know, it was after sort of 25 minutes anyway. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I always find Livingston a bit of a stuffy outfit, you know what I mean? They're always quite physical. Uh, you've obviously got the issue with the park as well, and I thought we started really sharp, but I, I'd started to worry a wee bit that we'd, we'd had a lot of possession and, and, and really weren't getting in behind them enough. Uh, on that, though, uh, Ross, Morelos had a chance. You know, he got put through. I think he had a wee shove on the defender. Maybe should have been a foul. But uh, he seemed to wait for ages before he, he tried to get his shot away and then the defender came in and cleared it. Now, one, given the referee never gave the, the, the foul against Morelos, do you think that was a penalty? I thought, it, I thought it was a fair challenge, but I've seen people on social media saying for different angles it looks like it is actually a penalty. Um, no, for me, watching it real time, I've not seen the the photos on social media suggesting that there were, you know, other angles or whatever. But from what I've seen watching it on the telly, um, no, I, I don't think it was a penalty. I think it looked to me like the the defender come across really quickly and, and got his foot and, and got a little toe to the ball um, first. So I don't have any complaints about the fact that a penalty wasn't given. I, I, if that had gone against me and against my team, I'd have been absolutely furious I bet you were uh, shouting for it though well because <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you right here now my, my ass was off that couch it wasn't I, until I saw the replay I was like okay fair enough uh, but I mean it's uh, that in a way that's kind of classic Morelos isn't it that the ball comes to him and he had he had a lot of time to think about it and that's sometimes when we see Morelos makes the wrong decision or, or struggles a bit is when he has time to think about it he's such a natural striker such an instinctive finisher that he's, he's better when he's under pressure and he doesn't really have time, space on the ball to, to think about what to do. So I wasn't too surprised actually to see to see that chance go squandered because we've seen it before from him. And then it's, it's kind of the total opposite to what he does in the second half when there's no clear-cut chance, there's no gaping opportunity and he, he still manages to tuck the ball away. So no, it wasn't a penalty in my opinion, but um, I wasn't too surprised to, to see the fact that we didn't score there. Christine, the goal came, uh, some good stuff for, for Scotty Arfield, uh, Rossi's favourite in the middle of the park. A great ball through, I thought, to, to Aribo. One touch finish, left foot, top corner, absolute. It was a, a really good finish, I thought, a good goal. Uh, but in terms of Aribo, uh, I thought he started the season really well. I think the Celtic game, I think Ross mentioned it earlier on, after the Celtic game, I thought he was poor in that game. And he's kind of flattered to deceive a wee bit since then. But again, I, I, I think there's been signs similar to Hollander, you know, signs over the last two, three, four games that he's starting to rediscover that sort of early season form. What about yourself? How do you feel about Arrivo's contribution at the moment? Well, I would agree with you that he had a nightmare against Celtic. He just didn't, to me, he didn't look up for the physical challenge at all. And I just don't think he's that type of player that's going to put in big tackles here and there. Um, but I mean, bear in mind he's had that he got that horrendous head injury the last time out at Livingston, and he's really just coming back from that. Uh, so yeah, I think he's looked he's, he's looked pretty good. Um, 
the last few times he's played. And I think it's, he's one of these ones that, I mean, I think in terms of midfield, there's probably going to be Davis and Jack are the, the kind of key ones. And Ariba is one of, one of those, those ones that can just slot in, same as Kamara. You know, so we've got a few, we've got a few options. Yeah, I, I, I was I was expecting a wee bit more from him. I must admit. I mean, the early games, especially some of the European games, I thought he looked like a, a proper signing. I thought we've got ourselves an absolute gem of a player here. The Celtic game, I don't know if I totally blame Aribo for it. I, I think Stevie G got got the, got the line up all wrong, and I think that didn't help in terms of his performance that day. But since then, I don't know if his confidence took a knock. I don't know what it was. But he's just not been not been performing at that, that sort of level he was at the start of the season. But I'm starting to see it again. You're right, he was out injured and it was a bad one. Uh, but I think we're, we're, we're starting to see that he's, you know, that, that sort of form we're, we're getting from him early in the season starting to come back. And in the middle of the park, that's good because it, it increases the, the competition for places. Guys know if they're not performing, they're out of the team and it keeps everyone on their toes. Uh, on Scotty Arfield, Ross, I know he's your favourite. Uh, like last season he was last season he genuinely was one of my favourites and I thought you know you missed him when he's out the team this year I don't know what's happened to him I really don't well the point the point I'm going to make is I mean he put he put the initial ball through to Morelos Morelos kind of dwelled on it and it kind of ricocheted back to Arfield he was quite quick, you know. He, he just like one touch and, and put it through. And I know, I know, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's he's at the levels he was at uh, last season, especially the second half of last season. But is that not what Arfield's really good at? He's a very simple footballer. He always does the simple thing, the easy thing, the most obvious thing. And to me, that was. I mean, I think someone else might have taken a touch. Someone like Ken in that position, I think, would have taken a touch or maybe tried to run into the defender. Arfield just gets the ball. Sees that Aribo's in a far better position. One touch pass through, goal. I mean, are, are you asking me to praise an attacking midfielder for playing a through ball successfully? It's his no, job. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to appreciate that he does the simple things well. He does the simple things well sometimes. Um, <sighs> he, gives the, he gives the ball away a lot. Like, a, a, needless, a needless amount of times that he'll kind of back himself into a corner um, and and give the ball away. And it's like I, I don't know what to say about him. I think we've got better options in the centre of the park now. I really, really do. Games like today, I would much rather see a Brandon Barker or a Greg Stewart come on and and try and show a bit of flair, show a bit of pace, because that's something he really lacks is pace. Um, and I I don't I don't know what role Scott Arfield plays in that squad anymore because he's not there as the kind of wise, old-head, experienced centre midfielder because Steve Davis does that role. He's not there as the you know, driving, creative force that runs with the ball and gets the team up the park because we've got pacey wingers that will do that. Um, he's certainly not a, a, a Joe Aribo or a Glenn Kamara who can you know, stick the ball to their foot with glue and... and dance through eight opposition players um, because the ball will ping off his shin like a bouncy ball. So I'm not quite sure what use... Uh, it's just, I don't mean for it to sound as harsh as it does, but it sounds awful. 
I'm not sure what his place is in the squad anymore. That is harsh. I think I think all this is related to the fact that Daniel Kennedy has left. I think you're just bitter about that. I think that's all it is. But hey, we can live Kandias, with that. Kandias has been tweeting about Rangers again. He's you know he misses us. He might be coming back. Um, oh. um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, Christine, we'll we'll put this to one side. I don't know. One 0 at half time. Come out the second half. Morelos, uh, sorry, Morelos' uh, goal, the second goal. Very, very cheeky finish, I thought. Now, I've seen some suggestions that he was maybe offside, but I, I think it looked like one of those you give the benefit of the doubt uh, to the striker. He certainly wasn't yards offside, as Stephen Thompson proclaimed on Sports Scene earlier on this evening. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking about there, uh, but some finish by him again, you know, something from nothing, really. Yeah, it was just, um, I mean, I think his, his foot might have been offside because it was sort of, you know, it was, it was, it was as if he was kicking the ball almost without the ball being there. But um, so technically, maybe he was, but the finish was just out of this world, really. I mean, it was just like, and you just knew that he was going to score. Do you know, it was just, it's just one of these types that he loves to score from that kind of angle I've got to be honest with you but when he caught inside I didn't expect him to shoot I, I was really surprised he scored but I, I didn't see it coming at all I must admit no well I did I um, I really thought he was he was going to have a goal um, but I thought he was sort of not favourite to um, you know get the ball in the in the net but there you are he did and um it was kind of it was good because it was the second goal, and although I usually find myself not completely comfortable until we're three goals ahead, I just felt that because of Livingston's lack of really doing much um, in our half, then I was you know I thought well that's the points secured, and um, I'd like us to have you know it would have been nice to score another couple and go top of the league, but um, we'll just content ourselves for now. It's, it's still early days. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact, I, I mean, I think a lot of people view today as a potential banana skin. So I think the fact that we've come out with three points uh, and a decent performance, I think we take that. But I know what you mean, you know, there was one point in the game we were uh, only a goal behind and if they got one more goal and then Celtic went 2-0 up and then... Uh, we kind of thought it was going to be beyond us to get top of the league today. But the, the point that you've just made, Christine, leads us on to my next point, Ross, which is the, the game management. As Christine said there, when we went 2 nothing up, it felt like, well, we're fine now. You know what I mean? And, and as Christine said, sometimes, especially away from home, you don't always feel like that. And there has been examples of some poor game management this season, especially over in Young Boys. I, th I thought we shot ourselves in the foot over there. But today... Felt really confident. There's a wee bit of that on, on Thursday night as well because, you know, when we went 2 nothing up, I, I thought we managed the game well after that as, as well. Is, is, is this a side of Stephen Gerrard's team that's improving? The, the game management, you know, once we're getting in front, we're staying in front. Yeah, I think it's definitely a lesson that Gerrard has, has learned the hard way. Um, young boys is a prime example. I slightly disagree with you about Thursday. I still thought on Thursday there were things that we could have done better when we were getting to the end of the game. I remember that there was a free kick that we had near the corner flag on about 88, 89 minutes. And for some reason, 
we decided to put that in the box and brought two centre halves forward for it. Um, today, I wonder, you know, I, it, it was never uncomfortable today, and today was probably as good as we could have hoped it would be. You know, we are never going to go to the Tony Macaroni and and win six or seven nil. It's it's not that kind of place. Um, and you've seen obviously this season Celtic slipping up there, so. It, it, it is it is a banana skin. It's a, it's a difficult place to go. We found that out the hard way again last season. So I, I wonder if you know the, we weren't threatened today. So was the, it felt like good game management? Maybe it was to do with the standards of opposition. They never really came and had a go. Um, Lyndon Dykes, who has caused trouble for plenty of sides this season, um, I thought was kind of muted and, and a bit quieter than usual. I think he's just come back from injury, so maybe he wasn't fully fit or, or mentally sharp or whatever so uh, it was good game management but but we were never threatened throughout the game so I, I wouldn't go overboard and say that we've, we've solved this problem because I mean I'm, I'm still kind of hurting from how poor we were in the last 10 minutes against young boys well, I mean that was poor that night it's undeniable and when you look at that group now we're going to come on to the portal game in the Europa League campaign shortly but when you look at that group you kind of think the very least we could should have came out with that game as a draw. You know what I mean? It would be a point better off and sitting top of the group at the moment. So it was it was a costly error in terms of the, you know the, the poor game management that night. But I do think it's something that's improving. I must admit, I do, I do think Gerard. There, there seems to me this season. I wasn't convinced last season that any time we took any bumps, we were learning from them. I don't know if that's the case this season. I'm seeing Rangers improving almost with every game. And as I said earlier, I think over the last week, two, three weeks or so, it feels like we're in a, a really, really good place at the moment. Uh, Christine, man of the match today for me, I thought Glenn Kamara had a, had a really, really good game. And a bit like Aribo, uh, you know, uh, when, when he signed last season, we, we thought we'd all, you know, got this wonder wonder boy for 50 grand, an absolute steal for Dundee. This season, again, early on, I thought, oh, he looks a wee bit off it and just, wasn't it that, that that same level of performance that he gave us last season? But again, I think over the last three or four games that he's played, you're starting to see that 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 form coming back again. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I would I think you've got it absolutely spot on there, uh, Colin. Um I was a wee bit like you. I mean, at the end of last season, particularly well, he came in January, didn't he? Um do you know, and he was really good and I was really impressed with him. This season, he's been played a bit more sparingly and I think at the beginning of the season, he just didn't live up to what he had what he had done in previous seasons. Uh, sorry, towards the end of last season, but the last few matches, yeah, I think he's really, uh, I wouldn't argue over the man in the match today. In fact, it's quite probably quite difficult to pick a man in the match because I think everybody played reasonably well without anybody being really, really outstanding. But um, I think Kamara's made it difficult for CVG to drop him now. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it, it was it was a good team performance today. As you say, it was, it's maybe it's maybe unfair just picking one out. But I think I think maybe Kamara stood out for me because. He has struggled a wee bit this season, you know, and as I said, over the last three or four games, uh, I've started to see uh, he's maybe coming back to that that sort of form he was displaying when he first signed for the club, which is good to see because, again, going back to the point, it increases competition for places and all that kind of stuff. 
Guys, a bit to wrap up the lovely stuff here. Uh, I'll, I'll come to the two of on this. I'll come to you first, Ross. Stevie G's 50th game today. Uh, so his, his record is played 50, won 33, drawn 10, lost 7 with a, a win percentage rate of, of 66%, which is quite ironic given this is episode 66 of the Jersey Weekly Podcast. We, we plug there. Uh, and I, I mean, his win percentage, I mean, the majority of those losses will have been last season. You know, I mean, he's only had one loss this season. So his win percentage for this season will be even more impressive than that. Again, do you, how do you view Gerard's uh, overall performance with Rangers? And do you think this season you're seeing, in, you know, a marked improvement compared to last season? Uh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. The thing that's, you know, the thing about Gerard is that he has a consummate professionalism and, and everything he does is is incredibly professional and incredibly well thought out. And actually, that's probably most borne out in the improvement that he's made over the summer and that you can tell that this guy has really, really learned lessons from last season. You can see that he's he's sat down, he's thought about what worked and what didn't work last season and he's made improvements over the summer. He's, he's targeted his recruitment properly. Um, he sets the team up uh, with varying styles, various um, formations, to depending on the game that we're facing. Um, like you say, the game management is improving. So I think he's, you know, he's really, he's, he's, he's applying an, a kind of academic approach to the game, in my opinion. And he's, he's showing that he's learning lessons. He's showing professionalism and his standards are second to none. It's impeccable. And he really is a man who's befitting the status of Glasgow Rangers manager. Um, and considering some of the characters we've had in that position over the past five to ten years, it's um, it's a real joy to see him there. Yeah, I'd agree. Ian Duff would pull you up on referring to Rangers as Glasgow Rangers, by the way. He was very unhappy about that through the week. I had a wee exchange with him on, on Twitter. Uh, but I think you're right. Uh, I, I mean, I think he has shown that he's improving. I, th- I think uh, this season has just been... Uh, it's, it's been really enjoyable. You know, he's got us to he's got us to the group stages of the Europa League on both occasions. He's reached his first cup final. That to me, there are there are there are obvious signs of improvement. What about yourself, Christine? How are you feeling, Stevie G? As you know, fifty games in. I would agree with what Ross said, um, just about his whole attitude and his his management style and various things like that. I think in an interview that I was reading recently. He did say that he was aware last season that he really didn't have the strength and depth of his squads to change things around when they weren't working. Um, I think he's made sure with his recruitment over the summer that he now has that kind of um, strength and depth in his squad. And I think his record um, this season is... Well, I was going to say second to none. He did make a huge, huge blunder with the Celtic game and the team selection in that one. But other than that, he's been pretty spot on most of the most of the the season. I mean, in, in terms of the Celtic game, that, that, that that's maybe something. The point I'm trying to say here is he's learning. You know, so I think he's last season. I think you're right. He didn't have the the squad. The same players available to him now. I think he's got a far uh, sort of stronger squad, and there's more depth to it. So he's got more options, especially in, in the middle of the park. You know what I mean? And that's the sort of engine of the team. 
I, I think he learned for that mistake against Celtic. I think he knew, and I think he pretty much held his hand up straight away and said, I've, I've got that wrong. You know what I mean? And I think that's the, the thing that gives me encouragement about Stephen Gerrard this season. Last season, there was times when he, probably around about this season, this point of the season, the Aberdeen game, the semi-final against Aberdeen, I really started to think, oh, has, has this been a good appointment? You know what I mean? Because it was a really lackluster performance. Uh, we picked it up you know, in the second half of the season and made a, a semi-fist of it. I think he's got his recruitment right in the summer. And this season, Celtic game aside, I don't think he can be anything but impressed for him. So, yeah, 50 games in, I think uh, I, I think Stevie G is, is doing very well. And the, the next obvious step is, is obviously a trophy. And hopefully that will come early in December. Uh, guys, so I think we'll wrap up there. I'm going to have a wee look at some of the comments here on, on YouTube. Uh, the, the Glasgow Rangers thing has, has provoked a bit of comment. Uh, Chick Sharp saying in the early days of history, Govan wasn't part of Glasgow. I think it was, Chick. I know Govan wasn't always part of Glasgow. It used to be a borough in its own right. But I think by the time Rangers got there, it, it had been taken in by Glasgow. Uh, but keep your comments coming. Having a wee look at some of the stuff there, it's pretty good. Uh, guys, right on to Porto now. I, I don't know how you feel, but I was buzzing. When I finished work on uh, Thursday. Absolutely buzzing to go to the game. Great night, great win, puts us in a really, really good place. Really glad, I, I know I've said it before, I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm so glad that these nights are back at Ivor. So there was a time uh, when I feared that they wouldn't come back, uh, and I've done a wee blog about it over the weekend there, so check that out if you can. There, there was a time when I worried that those nights are gone, you know what I mean, that, that this stuff isn't coming back. So great that it is back, and a really, really nervy performance at times, but a great result. Ross, come at you hearing this. Your your thoughts on the overall performance? Uh, my thoughts on the performance are slightly different to my thoughts on the result. I think the result was historic. Um, I think the result has been slightly overshadowed in the media who, who want to lap up Celtic's result uh, earlier in the day. But our result, I think, considering the, the, the status, the stature of a club like Porto, um, to take four points off them in two meetings is is, is historic for a you know a, a club from Scotland. Well, considering um, they were in the quarterfinals of the Champions League last season. Exactly, and if you, you know if you look at the um, the kind of FIFA club rankings, they're they're a monumental club. They they are a, a true giant of European football. Um, the performance was uh, okay, I think. Um, some things worked, some things didn't work. Maybe that says, you know, maybe that makes the result even more impressive. The fact that we weren't at our best. I don't think anyone's going to argue, particularly the first 30, 35 minutes. We certainly weren't weren't the best football inside that we that we've been this season. Um, and yet, neither were Porto. So we we did what we had to do. Um, a, a phenomenal five minute spell in the second half, which um, was utterly euphoric. Um, and it's uh, it's a really really special night, and it's one that I think I, I remember doing a podcast last season uh, on the Sunday just after we'd beaten uh, Rapid Vienna at home in the Europa League, and I was saying, you know, this is a, a special time, this is a special week for us um, that's going to live long in the memory. This blows that out of the water. It really does. To to beat Porto two 0 at home is it's magnificent. I'd agree, and. Uh... I mean, I, I kind of got that with the Feyenoord game again. I, I, I thought, you know, when they came to Ibrox, I was like, well, this is a proper European club. 
You know, they've won the European Cup in the past. Uh, I think they've won a UEFA Cup as well. You know, so you're, you're looking saying, well, this is a club with pedigree. You beat them one nothing. you're thinking, that's great. This is us. We're getting back to where we are. But Porto, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't think they're quite the side that they were last season, you know, and I, I, I kind of got the impression from the game over in Portugal with the amount of Porto fans that turned up that they're, they're kind of looking down their noses a wee bit at the Europa League as a competition. But for us, it's, you know, it's absolutely fantastic to, to, to beat a team like Porto. And I, I mean, I was... It was one of those when I got home on Thursday night, I watched the game all over again. You know, I think I got to my bed about the back of one or something like that. I was just, I was just so buzzing and so excited. Uh, Christine, coming to you, as, as, as Ross said there, we started a bit, a bit nervy. Uh, and even although Porto only really threatening us, they, they, they looked the more composed sides. They, they were using possession a lot better. They were, they were pressing us quite a lot and, and forcing us to give the ball away, you know, unforced errors and all that kind of thing. Uh, were you worried at any point uh, and obviously there was a Glen Kamar uh, goal line clearance where I was sitting. I'm in the governing rear. That looked like it went in. You know, it looked to me like that was that was over the line. Were you a wee bit worried at that stage? Are you start to think, oh, this isn't going to go our way. Well, I have to be honest. Midway through the first half, I was thinking I'll take nil nil right now because you're thinking if it had to go head to head, we would because we scored over there, you know, we would be above Porto. So that was my kind of thinking. Um, But as you say, as Ross said about the the, the few minutes, um, it was just absolutely incredible. Um, And again, even when we were 2-0 up, a wee bit like today, I never felt as if they were ever going to come back into it. You know, we really got the bit between our teeth and thought, right, you know, this is this is our game. Um, you're not going to get a goal. And, you know, to get a clean sheet against them was, was really fabulous, I think. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, 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 I think uh, the one thing about Glenn Kamara's goal clearance, I think Ross is the only one that's on the show the night that could get his leg high enough to make that clearance. That was the thing that got me. I was... Just thought, oh my God, how did he get that off the line? And I thought it was over. I must admit, I thought it was over. And I think to to sort of recover for that, because at half time, you're kind of looking for a reaction. You know, we've been a wee bit sluggish, a wee bit poor. Didn't really get it, I didn't think. I, th- I thought the turning point was when Barker came off and Arfield came on. And I know that'll, <laughs> I that'll irritate Ross to the max, but I think that's when things started to sort of change a wee bit. Uh, would you agree with that, Ross? Um. Maybe no, I, 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 I did, it did. He did. He did um, have an impact on the game. He did. Maybe that was because Barker was poor, um, but I, yeah, no, he did. He did have a, a, a good impact on the game. Um, whether I can get my leg as high as Glen Kamara, I don't know. That takes about six weeks of stretching, I think. Um, oh come on! How old are you? I've just I've just turned twenty eight. Oh, you can eat. I know, it's all downhill now. Right? As I, 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 you'll be a Rangers dancing. Oh, I certainly will not. <laughs> when, how about you? <laughs> you should be aspiring to turn it like me. No. No. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Uh, back to the 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 job in hand. Uh, Christine, the goal. Uh, Morelos's goal. I mean, what more can you say about it? You know, uh, I thought Tav done really well. You know, he sort of. 
dug in, got the ball out to Jack. Jack, again, a signing of a player that's improving a lot. Rather than just swing it in, he had a look and, and saw that Morelos was free. But what Morelos does, you know, the way he lets the ball go across his body, the, the touch, uh, I saw someone through the week describing it as the touch of a painter, uh, which I would agree with. To set himself up and then the finish, it was just a, a magical moment. It was a world class goal, I reckon. I mean, they, I don't think there'll be there'll been much, much better in the whole Europa League um, on Thursday night than that goal because it was just, and you knew it as soon as they hit it that it was going straight into the back of the net. It really was a magnificent goal. And um, I just love Morelos when he scores. He's just, although he looked a bit angry. He did look a bit angry. He looked a bit pissed off, didn't he? I wasn't sure about I wasn't sure what... I, I don't know if it's because there was an yeah. incident just before the goal, Ryan Jack tried to put him through. Literally seconds before it, Ryan Jack tried to put him through. And the defender sort of cut it out. Ryan Jack kind of undercooked his pass a wee bit. And he had a go at Jack then. And I don't know if it, it was just a... A continuation of that, he was still quite angry that he never got the initial ball. Uh, but I did, he did. I thought that as well uh, when I watched the replay when I got home. I thought he looked a bit pissed off. Huh? He looked angry with the fans, though. I thought uh, this was. <laughs> 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 but um, we'll let him off with that one. Right. And how many Dembele dollars do you think he's worth now? Oh, he's priceless. <laughs> Yeah, he has to us. He's certainly yeah. getting that way. I mean, it must be, you must be looking at serious money then. You know what I mean? You must be. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you think, well, if, if Kev, um, what's his name? Not Kevin Tierney. Uh, Kieran Tierney. Kieran Tierney, yeah. Um, can go for 25 million quids. What the hell must Morelos be worth? Um, and Morelos doesn't have the hip of an 85-year-old man. You know, whereas Kieran Tierney has, you know. Uh, Ross, coming back to you, the, the second goal, uh, it was only like three or four minutes after Morelos got the first. Wee bit lucky, wee bit of deflection. Good build-up, Morelos involved again. Great stuff. Stephen Davis, as I said, gets a deflection, 2 nothing. It was Davis's 250th appearance for the club on the night and it, it felt like a a good moment for, for him to get that goal and it, it, it kind of reinforced just how good a signing he's been for Rangers since he came back. I know he took a wee while to get up and running when he, when he initially signed in January there. I don't think he played a lot of football and that showed. But, you know, now he's got a pre-season under his belt. He just looks different gravy. You know what I mean? He just looks like the best man on the, on the park most weeks, I think. Oh, he's been, he's been magnificent. Um, and actually, if it weren't for the the red hot form of Ryan Jack, I would say that he's, you know, been our best midfielder this season. Um, and you're right, you know, he's a different player to who he was since he since he came back in January. But I was delighted for him to get the goal. You could see how much it meant to him. Obviously, he's spoken and since the game about how much it's meant to him. He, he never scored a huge number of goals when he was here the first time round, but um, he, he did what he had to do. It was great work from Morelos. Um, and, and actually, it was a kind of goal that shows that Morelos, to me, is the complete striker. He's the complete forward player because um, maybe two years ago, Alfredo Morelos would have been camped around the penalty spot because he wants to get that poacher's goal. But now you see him drifting out wide. He'll, he'll take up positions on the left and on the right. 
and look to bring others into play. So it was a goal that kind of summed up, or it was a night that summed up Morelos. He was aggressive, he was turning players. Um, Pepe had to go off scared of him. Um, he scores a, a, a phenomenal world-class finish and then he sets one up from, from down the byline on the left-hand side. Um, yeah, yeah, we got a wee bit lucky, but, but Davis struck it with enough power, put it on target, did what he had to do. Um, so he was lucky, but he's, you know, he's, if you don't buy a ticket, you won't win the raffle. So um, I was, I was thrilled for him, absolutely thrilled for him, because I was, you know, there were plenty of people questioning whether we should give him a contract after his performances in the second half of last season. I was one of those thinking maybe he's passed it, um, and that he certainly wouldn't be a regular. He's, he's not just a regular now. He's, he's pretty pivotal to the team so much so that when he's left out of the team, it's, it's a talking point like it was tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the, the, the thing I thought straight away today when I didn't see Davis in the team. I was like, oh, no. And I think that shows you, as you say, how far he's came on. You know what I mean? When he first arrived, he did look off it and he did kind of think, as you say, oh, he made a mistake in, in bringing, this, bringing him back. But I said at the time, if we signed him, we'd be signing the best midfield on the country. Ryan Jacks, pushing him for that, but... Who cares? They're both they're both playing for us, so I'll, I'll take the two of them. You know what I mean, uh, guys. Looking to wrap up the the the, the Porto stuff as well. I'll quickly come to the two years on this. Two games to go in the group. We need three points to qualify, and t- to add extra salt in the soup, so to speak. We go to Feyenoord next year now, managed by Dick Advocat, so that will be an interesting game. And then we're at home to Young Boys. <laughs> I mean, Ross, I'll come to you first. Do you think we'll qualify? I do. I really do. Um, and I think I'm not. I'm not convinced we'll get three points in in Rotterdam. Um, I think if we get one point, that could could well be enough because I think Porto are um, short of confidence. Their manager, I think, is now under real pressure. Looking at what their fans were saying after our result on Thursday, their manager is under real pressure. Um, and young boys at home have, have been churning out results. So I, I don't know that I trust Porto to go to Switzerland and, and, and get a win. If we get a point in, in Rotterdam, that could well be enough to get us over the line. Um, I don't care if we're first or if we're second. I want to get through. I really want to get through. I know it could be a distraction. Um, financially, it'll be brilliant. But to have Rangers back in the, in the, uh, the knockout stages of European competition, playing European football after Christmas... Um, I think I think we're going to do it. And Christine, come, coming to you on this, uh, Ross has sort of slightly touched on it here, but how important would it be if we do qualify? How important in terms of the overall recovery of the club would, would getting to the knockout stages of the Europa League be? Well, just obviously we've just, um, you know, published our financial results and that is showing that we really, really do need Europe and, you know, probably extended runs in Europe at the moment, uh, the way things are. So I just have this horrible nightmare scenario of all the teams being in seven points after the fifth game and up yeah, going to yeah. the last night. Uh, it just horrifies me, the thought of that. So I hope Ross is right that we do manage to get something in Feyenoord and, um, or Rotterdam rather. and. Um, you know, if we could get all three, then that would that would be it, wouldn't it? Um, I home and if we if we win in Rotterdam, we're home and host. Yeah, uh, I'm with Ross though. I think that 
especially now Advocate's there, I think that might be a big ask. Yeah, it might be. It might be, Colin, but um, we can only hope to put on a performance. And I think Feyenoord aren't the team that they used to be. I don't think they're as good as they used to be. So let's just hope that we can do the business over there. But we've got other games before that, so um, let's not look too far into the future. Let's just take it one game at a time, as they say. Yeah, I would agree. But I've got to follow. I've got. I've got to follow an hour, Christine. So, <laughs> <laughs> got to find content for somewhere. So I thought I would discuss it. But you're right. One game at a time. So yeah, we'll go down that road. Uh, guys, uh, thought we'd have a wee discussion about a, a couple of things I'd noticed through the week. Now, one I'd, I'd noticed really a lot of uh, comment on social media for supporters, a lot of anger for supporters, and I think justifiably so. And it's around the the pricing for the League Cup final. Beat Hearts last Sunday, obviously, get to the final, we're, we're, we're playing Celtic. Now, the, the, the tickets range from sort of 25 to £45. Now, for a start, I, I, I was at the semi-final last week, I was behind the goal, and my view was nothing short of atrocious. I posted it on Twitter, got lots of comments on it, you know what I mean? My ticket was, uh, I think it was £25, I think it was £15 for, uh, for my sons. So, you know, you're looking at the best part of 40, 50 quid just, just to get through the door. And then I'm standing looking, I was I was virtually in line with the the pitch. You know, I was only maybe three or four rows for the front. In the first half, uh, I had to watch the big screen because Rangers were shooting down to the traditional Celtic end. Couldn't really see what was happening. So I was standing watching the big screen behind me. In the second half, it wasn't quite so bad because the, the goal was right in front of me. And it was actually okay when they scored because the players celebrated right in front of us and all that kind of thing. So you kind of got something back in that respect. Uh, but, I mean, the view overall is pretty poor. Really, really poor. So, Ross, in terms of the the, the, the ticket, and how do, how do you feel about the, the, the pricing of it? My first League Cup final... Uh, I went to was in 1987. Now, the, the cost of the ticket at, at the time was £3.50. Now, if you put it into a, a calculation based on inflation and all the rest of it, if we were going to get charged the same amount today, it would be about £9. So that shows you how far it's it's gone. Football is now charging. It's, it's, it's not just risen with inflation. It has went way beyond that. Uh, are you like me? Does it feel like it's it's just too much now? Is this going to turn into a rant about modern football? Pretty much, aye. <laughs> Did you buy that first ticket with a, a shilling and a farthing? Oh, I tell you um, this much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Your jacket is on a sugly peg, boy. Um, if, if I was to say that I don't think it's too much, are you, are you going to make a joke about tax avoidance and living in Luxembourg for a year as well? Well, um, well we know that's how you afford it, but if you are if, if you are going to say it's not too much, then just present me with an argument as to why it's not too much. Well, it, if we are to win that match, no one's going to be complaining about paying £45 to see us beat Celtic and win the cup, win the first major trophy for a number of years, um, stop them winning 10 trophies in a row, stop them winning four trebles in a row. Um, no one will complain about paying £45 to see that. Conversely, the Hamden experience um, is horrendous, right? We've all been to Hamden. I, I, I saw the picture you posted on Twitter. 
um, it's it's not good enough. And we all kind of, a couple of seasons ago, we all had a taste of what it could be like by going to Murrayfield when we played against uh, Hearts. Um, and we know that there's better alternatives out there, but the SFA are disinterested in improving fan experience because as far as I'm told, the corporate seats and the media seats are very, very nice indeed. Um, it's 25 to 45 pounds. It's, is it not kind of standard now? I mean, it's, it's a lot of money and of course it is. Um, but it, if we are to win that match, I would, I would pay, I would give everything to watch us win any trophy again. I mean, it's, it's such a passionate experience. If we go there and we beat Celtic, um, and we lift that trophy, I think the cost becomes irrelevant. Yeah, but conversely, if, if supporters pay £45 and we don't win that, and I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I'm one of these supporters, and it comes to the same way with gigs as well. Whenever I'm going to a gig, like I've seen people offer me stupid money for tickets for gigs and and for, for football games, and I'm just like, oh, well, no, why would I do that? Because if I get the experience that I'm wanting to get at this thing, those those memories are priceless. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't give that up for any amount of money. However, it, I mean, one the amount of games that, that fans are expected to go to. So, you know, in Rangers, you know, you've got the added sort of cost, European games, and all the rest of it. I just think, and and plus the example I've given you as well, you know, in terms of inflation, it's way above what supporters used to pay, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I do. I think it's getting too much. I, I, I think it's a lot to ask supporters to, to constantly stump up that level of money to go and support football teams. Uh, honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure that I agree. Um, I think 30, 35, 40 pound for a, a cup final against your biggest rivals, I think is, uh, I, I don't think it's unreasonable at the same time though. I'll accept I'm, I'm, as we all know, I, li- I live in London um, and my options are go and watch a, an English Championship game at QPR or at Brentford for £30, £35 or treat myself to a day at Arsenal for £110. Um, so maybe that the economies of it all is, is kind of skewed for me. At the same time, we have the most incredible fan base and you have fans who travel from Belfast every other week. Um, with the costs incurred in that of getting the ferries over, of getting flights, of your transport, of your hotels. Um, so, yes, we it is a lot of money. Of course it is. But I'm just delighted to have the opportunity to pay that money to watch us in a cup final. And we can all have a have a grumble and complain, oh, it's, it's a shocker that it's £40 and that Hampton's terrible. But I'd rather be having this debate than sitting at home and, and not have the opportunity to go. What about yourself, Christine? Now, as well as all the stuff I've, I've said before, now, in my uh, example, my case, you know, I earn more than the average salary in Scotland. And my wife, she earns, you know, in terms of our combined income, it's, it's not huge, but it's, you know, we've got a fairly comfortable life. But even I find that, you know, especially because I'm taking my son now as well to these things, you know, I do kind of grimace sometimes when I see how much these games are costing me. So I wonder for, for people who aren't as fortunate enough as people who like myself who are earning a reasonable amount of money, you know, 
there's other people out there who don't earn that 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 sort of level of income. And you know, and how do they afford these things? You know, there there will be supporters out there who, the minute they see the price of these things, just go, "Well, I'll not be going to that." Well, I think you probably your argument, Colin, is shot in an instant because that game will be a sellout, and there's absolutely no no doubt about it. Um, so, but the fact that the fact it, that the fact that it's a sellout doesn't mean you know the the, the reaction by supporters on Twitter told you supporters will pay it but it's yeah. whether they're happy to pay it or not that's that's surely the issue yeah well, just on your comparisons interestingly um when i first got my season ticket for rangers in mm, 1974 steady, steady. <laughs> <laughs> a lady never reveals her age <laughs> i was just a baby at the time um, <laughs> 1974-75, the year that we actually stopped Celtic doing 10 in a row. Um, the season ticket was £15. And that included your, your Scottish Cup games and your League Cup games. So I'm now paying over £700. So it's incredible, isn't it? The how yeah. it's, it's gone up like that. I know exactly what you're saying about Hamden. In fact, I was sorely tempted to leave at half-time because I was I was in the North Stand, so I paid £30 for it. I were about maybe, I think, row H or something like that. And um, there's this week, you know, sign goes up, but, you know, it's, you're not allowed to stand up. Well, <laughs> I mean, absolutely every single person was standing up. And yeah, that was the same as I was as well, yeah. My poor back just can't stand for 90 minutes, so... Quite often, I, I, I sat down and watched it on the screens. Usually, if it was, you know, hearts were attacking, um, I would just sit down and watch it on the screens. And then when we started attacking, I'd stand up again. But it's a horrible, horrible stadium. It really is. And um, I, don't, I don't even know whether I, I probably, I, I reckon I probably won't get a ticket for the final, because I got one for the semi-final. Um, and, you know, I don't think, although I would love to be there if we won, I don't think it would bother me too much not getting a ticket because it, it's just spoil, it spoils the game for me, just not being able to see it properly. Um, in terms of the price, you pay, you know, you pay over 50 now for an old firm game at both Ibrox and Celtic Park. So if you look at it from that perspective, okay, when you go to Ibrox, you're getting a, a much better seat and things like that in view. But um, I don't think it's overly priced for what it is. It's just where it is that, to me, is the issue. Oh, well, we'll need to agree to disagree. I, I think the price of football in this country in general it's, I mean, obviously, it's not at the sort of levels that Ross spoke about, you know, down in uh, London and, and in the Premiership and all that kind of thing, where it is extortionate. It is through the roof. But I, I still think £45 for a ticket is, is taking a piss, actually, if I'm being honest, especially when you add the fact that, uh, you know, it's at Hamden and, and, the, and the views in many parts of the ground are, are anything but perfect. But 
people will pay it. You're right. And uh, as much as I'm moaning about it, I'm hoping I'm successful on the ballot because I would like to be there. Uh, but I do think it's something that supporters need to look at. You know, they need to look at, you know, are the prices fair and, and, and proportionate and all that kind of a thing. But anyway, I've, I've had my rant about that. Quick one on Stevie G, guys. Uh, you might have seen he was linked with Arsenal through the week. Uh, I'll quickly come to you, Christine. Doesn't, I don't want to give it the whole, he loves Rangers and all that kind of thing, the way our neighbours over the road went about Brendan Rodgers. But I get the impression that Stephen Gerrard finishes something when he starts it. And, I, and, and unless it's Liverpool, I, I can't see him leaving before his contract ends. I don't think he'll be there beyond his contract. I think he'll do his four years and then that'll be him. But I, I can't see him going away from Rangers for a club like Arsenal. Yourself? No, I can't see it either. I think you're right in terms of we want to finish the job that he started. Um, I've always been of the view that we've really just got him on loan for a few years um, because we all know what his first love is. And I think he would be tempted if the Liverpool job came up. Um, I don't think there's any question of that. And I don't think we could really expect him to turn that down. But um, I don't think he'll go to Arsenal, no. Definitely not. What about yourself, Ross? Is this just paper talk? I think it's nonsense. Um, I can't see it happening. Not to Arsenal. Um, I, I, I agree with the pair of you. Um, Gerard's career was marked for his longevity at, at, at Liverpool. Um, he, he's one of the few people in this game that displays loyalty. Um, and he, 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 like I said earlier, he's a consummate professional. And I think he's he's so he's so ambitious, he's so determined um, that he will want to be the one that that breaks Celtic's stranglehold on Scottish football. Um, I do I do also believe that he's a footballing academic, and he sees this as a, a key stage of his managerial education. And I think he's got the perfect place to to learn his trade. So Arsenal's a basket case as well. You see what's going on at Arsenal with their captain swearing at their own fans and. Um, you know they're they're not a good side at the moment. They're not in a good place, and I think anyone would have to really, really take a long, hard look before before doing that. So no, no, I'm, I don't have any concerns. No, I don't think it will happen either. I, I think I mean you, even when you consider his advice to to Luis Suarez a few years back when Suarez wanted to move, you know Arsenal put in the forty million plus a pound bid. Uh, it was Gerard that sat. Suarez down and said, Arsenal, really? Why would you go there? You know, and I don't think his attitude would have changed. I'm not convinced that Gerard and London are a particularly good mix either. Uh, and, and as I said earlier, I think, I, I think he, similar to what Christine's saying, I think the plan was, I don't think it's a coincidence that Steven Gerrard's contract lasted the exact same amount of time as Jurgen Klopp's. I think the plan is for Klopp to, to, to go in two and a half, three years. And just at the point when Gerard's contract's finishing up here, and and then that's it. He'll go. I think he's here for for the duration of his contract. Uh, hopefully, I'm not wrong, uh, but I can't see him going. Uh, right, guys. I think I think we've pretty much covered everything there. So that is all from this week's episode of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where the content is absolutely free. A big thanks to Ross and Christine for their contribution tonight brilliant stuff as always from them it's the international break next week so there is a show I think David Wren is hosting it next week uh, but 
check on the the, the, the Twitter and the, on, on the website and all that kind of stuff. You'll find out if the show's on. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself on to Jersnet and the forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. And until the next time, bye for now.